Welcome to Let's Talk About Grief with your host, Addie Anderson. While death and loss are subjects that nobody likes to discuss, you need to prepare for it and deal with it effectively. On our program, we talk to professionals as well as friends and family members who have lost loved ones to help you help others and understand the grief process. Now, here is Addie Anderson. Hi, everyone. I'm Addie Anderson, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Let's Talk About Grief. This is where we come together each week and we talk about all things related to grief, death, and dying. Now, today, my guest is Nick Aristopoulos. For the past five years, Nick has been a nationally board-certified acupuncturist. He holds a Master of Science degree in Oriental Medicine from Pacific College of Oriental Medicine in Chicago. He specializes in stress relief and in helping people regain their strength and mobility. He also has an extensive experience in helping people cope with grief. Nick helps people overcome mental and emotional barriers in order to heal. He works closely with patients to design a course of effective treatment and encourages patients to make their health a priority. His goal is to inspire people to be the best version of themselves. Nick is a co-owner of Palmgren Acupuncture Center, which is an acupuncture and massage clinic. Nick lives with his wife, Lynn, and their son in Oak Park, Illinois. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you for having me, Eddie. It's so great to be here. It is a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to learn as much as we can today about acupuncture. So just to get this started, why don't you just kind of let us know why you even decided to become an acupuncturist to begin with? Oh, wow. Um, So my story begins in South Korea, where I Mm. was an English teacher. Uh, Mm. I spent a year there teaching English as a second language to students ranging from toddlers to high schoolers uh, through the program. And while I was there, I'd been doing martial arts, a lot of like judo, the one where you grab each other and try and throw each other. And in a judo class one day, I got thrown horribly, like feet over head, slammed Mm. awkwardly onto the ground, and I couldn't move. Like my back hurt. And my poor teacher kind of looked at me, and he didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any Korean. He kind of made the universal hand gesture sign, like, come with me, and he took me to his guy, and... Mm-hmm. Who stretched me out, put needles in me, and suddenly I could walk. Or before I was mm. kind of just limping sadly along. <laughs> oh, so and so that and was your your first exposure to acupuncture. That was my first exposure. So I come home and I'm looking for something to do because I'm not going to be a teacher here. And I was looking at the medical profession, a radiology technician, then massage Mm -hmm. therapy, and then I found acupuncture schools in the area, and I enrolled the next day. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. yes, we're doing this. (laughs) Okay. So then that's a good point for you to kind of let us know exactly what is acupuncture. So acupuncture is just a little piece of Chinese medicine. And what it is is you take these sterile stainless steel needles that are very flexible and thin and you Mm -hmm. just insert them into the body and 
there's different ways you can insert them. You can insert them aggressively and get a muscle jump, or you can insert them gently and let people rest and relax and rejuvenate. Um, mm. That's really what it is. And it can be anywhere in the body. It's not just a sign. Everyone has heard of these acupuncture channels that have acupuncture points on them. Mm-hmm. But really, you can put them nearly anywhere in the body for a therapeutic effect. Mm. So they're okay. really little, stainless steel, thin, sterile, one-time use. They get put in a sharps container afterwards. Mm-hmm. But when you think, but when you, but when you think about needles, right? Um, a lot of a lot of people, you know, have fears, and sometimes they develop into phobias, uh, you know, about needles. So, and I would imagine that the fear of needles might be the number one reason that people might pass on acupuncture. That's just me saying that. I've not not seen that written anywhere. Um, but. Tell us about that. Do you find that most people will 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 bypass acupuncture because of the needles, you know, and does it hurt? What would you say to people if okay. they are have some kind of fear about the needles? So I'll take this in two parts. The first okay. part is, yes, your intuition is correct. People mm-hmm. go away from acupuncture because they have an idea of what needles we're using. When people think needles, they think of the needles that used to give blood. Mm-hmm. And those are a needle with a very big hole at the tip, so you don't crush the red blood cells. And mm-hmm. those are really painful. Our needles are so thin, you could put about 60 to 100 of our needles in that hole that they use to take blood. Really? So, it's, yeah, it's not the same needle. It is a solid mm-hmm. needle, so it's not hollow. Okay. And it's very, very thin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it really um, doesn't thing hurt. hurt to say is Go ahead. that people have earrings and tattoos and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. These are even smaller than those needles, too. Oh. Okay. So because they're very thin and they're flexible, mm-hmm. and um, then I would imagine that it's, do you feel anything or is it just like a little, you know, like a little pinch or something? And I would imagine that's also different from people, from person to person. It is. Um, Mm -hmm. So the feel, it's a momentary pinch, almost like a needle bite. At worst, it's a bee sting, but that's like the worst level. And Mm -hmm. then the needle becomes dull, achy, and heavy. So there's no pinch, no no stabby, nothing like that. You just mm-hmm. dull, achy, heavy, and you feel like you're sinking into the into the table that's holding you up. That's mm-hmm. the feeling we're going for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so exactly how does it work? Like you're if someone comes in, because when I think of acupuncture I my first thought is that someone is in pain, like how you described when you were, you know, doing martial arts and you got hurt. So you you mm-hmm. you had this pain, I would imagine, in your back, based on how you described it. So when that's what I think about when I think of acupuncture is managing the pain. And so how how exactly does it work? So. There's a lot of theories. 
uh, I like mm-hmm. to describe acupuncture as a black ox event. You do mm-hmm. something, you put the needle in, you let it rest. Your body does other things because these needles are unmedicated. There, there's no, there's no lidocaine, or they're not. We're not shooting you up with numbing agents. And then you get up, and somehow you feel better. The mm. best explanation I have is that when you stick a needle into the body, you actually get a slight moment where you have a stress response. You take mm. a deep breath in, your heart races a little, especially if this is your first time because you're kind of nervous. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, at least your body realizes, that there is no danger. Like the initial shock of what happened is passed. Mm-hmm. And then it reverts. So it goes from one swing of the pendulum to the other swing where your healing occurs. So you go from the sympathetic nervous system to the mm-hmm. parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest, sleep, digest, right? And it mm-hmm. shunts you into that for the duration of the treatment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's the fact I've witnessed pretty much every, nearly every treatment I've ever given. Okay. Okay. So, so then, so that, it's, it's almost like working out. <laughs> right? <laughs> you're you're shocking your body. You're lifting these heavy weights, mm-hmm. and then afterwards, you're you're tired. You're in recovery, and then you mm-hmm. feel better. You recover, and you're better than what you were before. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great analogy. You know, you you know, like when you're working out, especially like if you're using weights, like you tire your muscles and you're in pain for a little bit. And then um, maybe a day or so later, you see the benefit of having gone through what you went through to feel better, to feel better physically mm-hmm. as well as to feel better uh, mentally. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Only in this case, the pain of working out is very momentary. It doesn't mm-hmm. even last a few minutes, even with the needle still in you. I see. I see. Well, I think that should ease a lot of people's fears <laughs> based on how you described it, you know, with the needles. So it's it's just, it, you know, I think the vision, the visual of it is probably worse than the actual experience. And um, people just have to know, you know, just momentarily they'll have this little bit of uh, uncomfortableness. And then after that, you know, you just reap the benefits of the acupuncture. So that I also is would exactly. That's it. Okay. Um, now we're talking about you know the needles and the pain and all that, um, or not so painful. But people's thought about the needles. Let's talk about a little bit about sometimes people are uncomfortable about having to undress, <laughs> right? So <laughs> we we know like when we go and and get a massage that. What's that's like? So is it similar to that? Do people have to completely get undressed when they uh, see you for acupuncture? Uh, the short answer is no. Uh, the longer answer is it depends what I need to get to. So if you've got like a strained muscle in your glutes or your hamstrings, okay, I'm going to have to get to those areas and you're draped. Mm-hmm. But in general, especially for internal conditions, because we treat more than just physical pain. Mm-hmm. I just need exposure on the hands and elbows up to the knees. So if you wear like the loosey-goosey yoga pants and, some sh- and a short sleeve shirt, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I keep a spare uh, a spare pair of basketball shorts in my in my drawer just in case. <laughs> right? Okay. People come in with yeah. their really really tight jeans. And you can't even get it by the can't even pull them up by the knee. Oh, mm-hmm. so no, you don't have to undress completely. No. Okay, so that in itself either is not a big issue. No. Okay. And typically. How many acupuncture treatments might an average person need? Is is there a way to even answer that? Uh, yes, there is a way to answer that. So for the for the person who knows nothing about acupuncture in general, the longer and the more stubborn your condition is, mm-hmm. at first you'll need more frequent treatments. And then as you get better, you'll need less frequent treatments, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if you're talking about a condition like arthritis, right, this condition won't go away, but arth- arthritic people have flare-ups. And mm-hmm. usually we catch people in flare-ups because the pain is so bad, they just have to come in today, tomorrow, in the next hour. Mm-hmm. So during a flare-up, you come in more often, and then... As the flare-ups go down, as the intensity of the flare-ups go down, as the frequency, they don't happen as often go down, you start mm-hmm. spacing them apart. And as the mm-hmm. flare-ups go months between flare-ups, right, mm-hmm. then, then you can really space the treatments apart to maybe even once a season. Mm-hmm. And how are you measuring this? So like, is this like a self-report? Like, people are just saying to you, you know what, I'm feeling better, I don't feel the pain anymore kind of thing? That's one way, um, people mm-hmm. feeling better. Uh, the other way people know is they, they don't reach for their pain meds immediately mm-hmm. like they used to. They, they dramatically cut down on the pain meds. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a feeling, a general feeling of wellness plus better mm-hmm. energy plus less pain plus they've done things they haven't been able to do in months. And they mm-hmm. can sustain it. So they don't just go ahead, do it, and then break themselves again, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the measurable day-to-day quality of life metric. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and pain is very tricky. Um, there is no unit of pain measurement, right? It's not like you can't have a milliliter of pain. So it's very right. Yeah. And Generally, very you know, we use the little faces. <laughs> the picture of you know. The, have you seen the the pain scale? You know, with the picture of the. You know, the little faces with the grimaces and then the smiles or whatever. Yeah. And the minor distress and the one I'm almost... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, yes, a lot of it is Um, Mm self-reported. A better... And when people also self-report how less they feel that they need their pain medication, that they're like, I only took one pill in two days. Normally I take once, three times a day. Okay. Now you mentioned, um, when you were talking, you mentioned arthritis, you know, as an example, when you were talking, what are commonly Mm -hmm. treated conditions that you see in your office? Oh, God. Um, First, we're medicine of last chance. So we'll Mm -hmm. often get the people who've been to the neurologist, the gastroenterologist, the, the physical therapist, right? The chiropractor, we are 
typically medicine of last chance. People have exhausted their other options. They've exhausted mm-hmm. medications. They don't feel where they think they should be. Mm-hmm. And then we, we get, they come to us. So more specifically answer your question, asthma, arthritis, pain that's unexplainable. You've had imaging, you've had an x-ray, but everything looks fine, but you're still hurting. Mm-hmm. So unexplained mm-hmm. pain, upset stomach, pregnancy, uh, nausea, nausea mm-hmm. from chemotherapy. Um, okay. Yeah. My partner, Lynn, does a lot of long-term chronic illnesses, She'll, like fibromyalgia, arthritis, mm-hmm. carpal mm. tunnel syndrome. Okay. Yeah. And even some of the, and we're going to talk about some of the emotional healing that you also um, work on when we come back from break. So I'm talking to Nick Aristopoulos. We're going to take a break. And uh, when we get back, Nick will talk to us about acupuncture and grief. You can find Nick online at palmgrenacu.com. Follow me on Twitter at Begin With Addie. And like my Facebook page at Begin Within Counseling Services. And you can find me at my website at therapyoakpark.net. We'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are there times when you feel inadequate dealing with the difficult emotions of grieving families? Would you like to help these families but don't know where to start? If so, grief counselor Addie Anderson can help. Discover what many funeral homes already know about meeting the emotional needs of families that they serve. Be a valued resource to families during a time when they need it most. They'll appreciate your commitment to their well-being. Call Addie Anderson at 708-870-6255 to schedule a consultation. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. This is Let's Talk About Grief with Addie Anderson. If you want more information about our program, please feel free to visit therapyoakpark.net. That's therapyoakpark.net. Now, back to Let's Talk About Grief. Welcome back. Uh, I'm talking today to acupuncturist Nick Aristopoulos, and he's been educating us on acupuncture, letting us know what the benefits are, also giving us ideas of the uh, treatments that um, he sees commonly in his office. And when we took a break, I said that we'd come back and start talking specifically about acupuncture and grief. So I'm going to ask you, Nick, now, like, how does acupuncture help with grief? Ah, so the basic idea here is that your emotions affect your body, Mm -hmm. right? So too much or too little of an emotion will damage your physical body. And what acupuncture does is to help strengthen what's too little or release what's too much. And it helps your body and it helps you do it in your body rather than through speaking or anything, anything else. 
right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to grief, Chinese medicine says grief is the process of appropriately letting go of the past. So you can mm-hmm. make room to reconstruct your life again. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily occur when people only die, right? Mm-hmm. Grief occurs when a situation is passed and you can't go back. Mm-hmm. Right? You think of mm-hmm. the high school graduate, the college graduate, mm-hmm. right? and they just can't let go of being a college student. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Or the loss of a job. Or the loss of a job, or even the change of a job, a promotion, yes. mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And this is where ritual comes in. This is where a lot of people find religion at around these times, because religion gives you a ritual of, of grieving, a structure to hang on to, to do something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? Marriage is a ritual because you're no longer single. No more single days, you're married. Yes. <laughs> um Right, graduation is the ritual of saying, okay, we're, we're moving on from this level to this level, and we're recognizing it, and we're saying, good job. Mm-hmm. Go forth. Right? Okay. So we have these rituals, and especially in the one that your show specifically deals with from the intro, Death and Dying, funeral is a ritual. Mm-hmm. It, it's a chance for people to come together to say goodbye. Yes. Right, funeral is for the living, not the dead. Mm-hmm. That's true, absolutely. And so, when people right. have all these so, emotions, right? So what? So how? How mm-hmm. do they? How do they manifest physically in the body? Oh, so grief specifically is said. It, there, Chinese medicine loves its little sayings. So mm-hmm. one saying about grief is, "Grief strikes the lung." So have you ever been at the funeral of, of a close friend or a parent and you kind of get choked up, you can't breathe, you can't speak, all you do is kind of cry a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right? It's almost like your breath stops. It's mm-hmm. literally striking your lung. Mm. Okay. And then, depending on each person, it causes a weakness in the lung, and if you have the right constitution for it, It'll also cause a weakness in the digestion. It'll cause mm. weakness in bowel movements, whether mm-hmm. you're holding on and constipation or you're letting things go too quickly. Okay. Right, the other end of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes up is skin problems. Mm. Right? Um, mm-hmm. the, the lung and the skin are your two major organs to the outside world. That's mm-hmm. the real connection. Okay. And when your lung starts not functioning, you can't breathe, it, you're low-level drowning all the time, you get lackluster and dull, you look mm-hmm. like a shell of yourself, even mm-hmm. though you're going among your routine after the traumatic event. Mm-hmm. It's something, you can tell something's just the, not right. Yeah, there, there's no connection to the routine. It's just kind of like a zombie going through it. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. that's what it can have when it causes a severe imbalance. Okay. Right? And then when it gets too severe, it's almost as if 
you're facing backwards and and walking through life while facing the past instead of facing the present and future. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. you may end up with the regret part of grief where it says, if only this happened and not this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you stay in that mode every moment and you're walking forwards while facing backwards. Mm, That's a great description. Right. Um, yeah, it, it can also make people cynical and dismissive. Mm-hmm. Right? And I would, and I would imagine that... Oh. Go ahead. Let me ask you this. Like, I would imagine that when people come to see you, like, they're not saying that I'm grieving. I'm wondering. Or do they come in and say... You know, I'm having a hard time breathing, or my sleep has been off, or something, something physical uh, that they'd come in for. And then as you get to know them better, you start assessing them, uh, you know, collecting their history, then you recognize that it's, it's, it, it might be grief that they're, you know, kind of dealing with and not recognizing how the physical symptoms. Um, manifest with that. That is absolutely correct. Uh, the only people who come to me with like a kind of accurate self-diagnosis are therapists. <laughs> um, okay. the, the, the regular population, the re- regular mm-hmm. people come in and they're like, I just don't feel myself lately. My energy's kind of low. I'm kind of disconnected. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like I used to care, but I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, they they get, mm-hmm. you know, I had this, I have this weird rash on my on my hand or my forearm. I have, mm-hmm. you know. So you, you're absolutely right. They'll complain about something, and it can be something totally unrelated to any of the symptoms that we've had that that I've mm-hmm. been discussed. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It, it could even be, yeah, I've had a loss of vision. Like mm-hmm. suddenly, these past three weeks, I've had to get stronger and stronger prescription glasses. I see. Mm-hmm. And okay. part of the reason why is because when grief strikes the lungs, that is your first order of energy, right? There is no mm-hmm. diet good enough to replace oxygen. Mm-hmm. So True. when you're not breathing and you're not taking in as much oxygen as you can and as you should, Right, most of mm-hmm. us are chest breathers. We, we don't. None of us belly breathe anymore. Yes, I teach that we a lot. Take, yes, we don't take in enough energy, and then it just cascades downhill. And the mm-hmm. way it cascades for each person is different. Mm-hmm. But the root of that is the grief, and we get to that often just having people talk about the history of what's been going on. Then we'd be like, "Yeah, my sister died the other like four months ago." Mm-hmm. We'd be like, mm-hmm. "Oh," and. You know, and honestly, it's a process that will do this to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. When grieving does this to you, it's not pathological, right? Exactly, yes. It becomes pathological when it starts driving the car. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's a natural response to what you've experienced. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so how, how do Chinese herbs work? Yeah. Tell us about that, Nick, like Chinese herbs. How do they work? So Chinese herbs 
work the opposite of Western medications. So Western medications look at one pathway, whether it's pain or whether it's like SSRI, serotonin levels, mm-hmm. like for antidepressants and things like that, mm-hmm. or an antacid, right? It, they, they, they make Nexium, so, so like proton pump inhibitors and things like that. So you don't do one specific thing. Or they're antibacterial or they're antiviral, right? They, they're meant to attack one thing. Mm-hmm. Chinese herbs are used in combination with each other. I've, so far in my practice, I've never given out a single, an urban single, right? I've given out a mixture of herbs and formulas because the point of Chinese herbs, although we do have antibacterial, antiviral herbs, mm-hmm. that's not the primary purpose. The primary purpose is to restore your regular functioning. Mm-hmm. So it's to warm you up. It's to stimulate your stomach for digestion. It's to help move blockages through your through your bowel. Mm-hmm. Right? It's to help mm-hmm. you move the water when you have too much swelling. Mm-hmm. So it's meant to stimulate the entire body aiming at one of the root causes. Okay. Rather than just kill all the bacteria. Okay. And so do you find, you know, like with traditional medications that there are side effects to the Chinese herbs? Oh, absolutely. Um, The person prescribing your herbs needs to know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. The herbs have a physiological effect on your system. And you can't do that without being careful. Like, you have to be indicated. A lot of our herbs are contraindicated in pregnancy. You do not yeah. give them to, to pregnant women. You don't mm-hmm. give them to the elderly. They're too harsh. You don't, mm-hmm. right? you don't give them to people who have a fever because it'll just warm them up because it's a warming herb. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't give them to people who are struggling with water metabolism because this, slow, this particular herb slows things down and makes things colder. So you need someone with eyes and ears on the ground to properly put the right combination of herbs together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, um, okay. And also, just like in any other type of medicine, we, we don't self-diagnose. If I need herbs, I'm not going to my wife, who's an acupuncturist and herbalist. No, I'm going to another professional who'll take an outside, more objective look at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And so, like, will the herbs interact with, you know, if someone's taking, like, over-the-counter medications or their prescriptions, are they able to simultaneously take the Chinese herbs? In general, yes. Um, There are a lot of contraindications when it comes to blood thinners, Coumadin, Warfarin, that family of medications. Mm -hmm. Um, And some statins. you can't take ginger, for example. There's a side mm-hmm. effect of one of the statins, like the, the anti-cholesterol medications. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but these limitations are very few. Those are the two major ones you, we tend to run into a lot because that's how doctors prescribe medication. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But generally, over-the-counter antihistamines, like anti-allergy herbs, no, often you can replace over-the-counter herbs with Chinese herbs if you if you're uh, inclined to go that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, 
often you'll find you'll you'll use less of the common over-the-counter herbs like NyQuil and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, well, those, you- those interactions do exist. Mm-hmm. You know, I just kind of visualize when you talk about what you do, you know, like, uh, you know, like an alchemist or somebody, you know, like you just, you, you have all your ingredients and then you're, you're thinking about the symptoms that people are coming in with and you put together your concoction of herbs to, to better meet the needs of your patient. Is that, is that an accurate visual I have of what you do? Yes. Um, a lot of our herbs come pre-mixed in formulas. Right? So I'll have a formula already in a bottle that's uh, in a granule form, which is dehydrated and it's dissolvable in water. Mm-hmm. And it'll already have a set amount of ingredients in it. Okay. Okay. So I don't, I'm not putting the formula together one by one. Mm-hmm. However, I am looking at each ingredient in the formula and saying, mm-hmm. "Okay, this formula is appropriate. What mm-hmm. other modifications do I do to it to make it better?" And mm-hmm. then I'll then I'll add single herbs to that group of ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I would think too that. Um, Someone coming to you, what is a good idea, because people have a desire to sometimes take, let's just say, like non-traditional meds or however you describe them, like the herbs or whatever. But, you know, we don't always know as lay people the best route to do that. You know, what should we do for this condition? You can read it on the back of a bottle, but at the same time, I'm thinking <laughs> that if if someone has studied this and, you know, you have extensive experience in prescribing it as well as monitoring how people respond to it, that that is a great way for someone to be able to safely take uh, Chinese herbs. Absolutely. Um, we, we have to check in on people and see how things went, right? Um, mm-hmm. Also, there's so many confounding factors, like people will leave the office and do other things too. So they'll say, well, I also took this multivitamin and I also took magnesium and, right, a probiotic. Mm-hmm. Right, and people do a polypharmacy on themselves. It's just, it's too much. You you need Mm -hmm. to be able to keep track of what was done. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and when, and, you know, when we we get back to, you know, connecting what you do with grief, you know, what I, what I'm hearing you say then is that the emotions that connect with, specifically, you know, our lungs, you know, and someone comes in to you to see you, then you start to treat that physical symptom that was um, started by the emotions that they were experiencing. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Anything else you want to share with us about Chinese serves before we take a break? Um, make sure you go to the nccaon.org mm -hmm. and find a, a licensed herbalist mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. before you start self-diagnosing. Not all licensed acupuncturists are also herbalists. Oh, Okay. So that's something in, in addition to you becoming an acupuncturist. Yeah, that's my Master of Science in Traditional Oriental Medicine. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what is that website again for people that missed it? N, like Nick, uh -huh. C-C-A-O-N dot O-R-G. Okay. Okay, well, thanks for sharing that, Nick. We're going to stop right here and get ready for our next break. And when we come back, we will continue to talk to Nick Aristopoulos about grief and acupuncture. You can find Nick online at Palmgren, A-C-U, that's P-A-L-M-G-R-E-N-A-C-U.com. Please follow me on Twitter at Begin with Addy. Like my Facebook page at Begin Within Counseling Services. And you can also find my website at therapyoakpark.net. We'll be right back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com are there times when you feel inadequate dealing with the difficult emotions of grieving families? Would you like to help these families but don't know where to start? If so, grief counselor Addie Anderson can help. Discover what many funeral homes already know about meeting the emotional needs of families that they serve. Be a valued resource to families during a time when they need it most. They'll appreciate your commitment to their well-being. Call Addie Anderson at 708-870-6255 to schedule a consultation. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Let's Talk About Grief with Addie Anderson. If you want more information about our program, please feel free to visit therapyoakpark.net. That's therapyoakpark.net. Now, back to Let's Talk About Grief. Welcome back. We are continuing to talk with Nick Aristopoulos, the acupuncturist, and he's talking to us, really giving us a lot of education on uh, acupuncture, what we might expect if we go see an acupuncturist. Also uh, told us in the last segment how we can make sure that we're seeing someone who may be certified to do the service that you might need. So all of that information is, is uh, very helpful. We're going to continue the conversation. And, Nick, I want to ask you now, uh, are you finding that more people are increasingly willing to try acupuncture? Because I definitely hear a lot more about it now than, say, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, actually. Um, there's uh, definitely more openness to it. Um, there was a barrier that acupuncturists in general had to overcome, right? Because what's this thing? And then the, the traditional medical system said these people were a bunch of witch doctors for a while until mm -hmm. they 
saw their patients getting better. And then even then, it took years and years and years for us to, we kind of forced acceptance because our patients were getting better. So definitely today is so much better than 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, There's Mm -hmm. more first-person accounts of people telling each other, hey, this person helped me, they might help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and think I read a story it somewhere. Help, it wouldn't where, go that way. Well, that's true, and I recall reading um, a story as I was preparing for this sh- for this show of a medical doctor who had an experience similar to yours. You know, like he wasn't doing martial arts or anything, but he became injured. He got injured somehow, and uh, ended up as a last resort to deal with the pain, seeing an acupuncturist and found that he really got the relief from the pain and and saw how helpful it was. And then that's when he started to be more open to the treatment and also started recommending it to his patients. So, you know, sometimes things have to happen like that in order for people to kind of see the benefits of using something that's non-traditional. It, that's absolutely correct. And that's how it mostly goes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to trust our own experiences more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when, when that happens, suddenly you can speak with a passion about it that you couldn't before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people absolutely. actually connect to that emotionally. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, it's easy to refer someone to something that you have a first-hand experience with, right? You know, that you can vouch for versus just, you know, willy-nilly saying, go try this without having, um, you know, and I guess you don't always have to have a first-hand experience, but it does help to some degree. So let's talk about also other modalities that you might use um when you work with people tell us about that and also let us know if you also include meditation in any kind of way uh absolutely um we do use other modalities we use cupping like uh, michael phelps made cupping absolutely famous the last uh, round of the olympics uh we use really? washa which is using a, a spoon and i do use meditation and uh I've got training in hypnosis also, and it kind of goes together. Oh, um, so t- tell us about that. One thing, yeah, one thing about meditation and hypnosis is it's not, again, just like the herbs, it's not necessarily always safe. In general, it is. Like, for people mm-hmm. who are not having deep, dark thoughts and they're at a really low point in their lives, that's not the point you do meditation by yourself. Uh, Hmm. That actually makes you more susceptible to doing catastrophic, irreversible things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what meditation does is it puts a mirror on yourself and and now you have to face yourself because you're quieting all the other to-do lists, you're quieting the chatter in your mind, Mm -hmm. and you're asking a very serious question is this what I want to do is this who I am mm-hmm. and if you're not in a, in a decently stable place that can go very wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And and are you speaking of just meditation in general, or is because I know there are many different types of practicing meditation. So, um, do you adhere to any one particular one? No, I don't. I like I find the meditation in my daily life really mm-hmm. when I can turn off the incessant chatter in my brain. Because mm-hmm. that's what the brain does, right? Your mm-hmm. liver makes enzymes, your stomach digests, your brain makes thoughts. That's, mm-hmm. that, it will always do that, no matter mm-hmm. how good of control you have or not. Mm-hmm. The point is, can you separate those thoughts and your feelings and actions? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not even a separation, can you just accept them without trying to strangle them and change them? Absolutely, yeah, right. absolutely. And recognizing that um, just because you think it doesn't necessarily means that it's true, <laughs> you know, which kind of falls in line with what you're saying about, um, you know, recognizing that the thoughts are there, but not reacting to them or engaging them. To a point that you might yeah. do, or, do or say something you will regret later. Yeah. And much like the weather, for most regular people just going through a tough time, your thoughts change five minutes later. They are mm-hmm. so temporary. Mm-hmm. We see this in children, right? They, they don't get a toy. They throw a tantrum in the toy store. Uh, five minutes later, they have a hot dog in their hand. They're da 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 They're playing and just jumping along. It was like mm-hmm. Jekyll and Hyde. What happened? It's just <laughs> yes. thoughts are temporary. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so with the meditation um, then, so the, so how, and so you use meditation at some point, you know, like you were saying, not when they're at their worst, but then at some point along the progression that um, you will recommend meditation to kind of help what, to kind of, show them how they don't have to engage in those thoughts? That's part of it. The other part of it is life is stressful, right? That's the number one rule of Buddhism. The first part is realizing life is suffering and accepting Mm -hmm. that, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the point isn't to go be a hermit and disengage with life. The point is to more deeply engage with life, Mm-hmm. and be in all the waves of the ocean and still keep your head above water and still help others keep their heads above water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's part of it is a way of dealing with the natural course of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens mm-hmm. to all of us. Yes. We all have these things in common. You have parents, and if the natural course of life goes, we're, we're going to lose our parents one day. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You have pets... If the natural course of life goes, you're, you're going to have to say goodbye to the pets one day, right? If the pets mm-hmm. say goodbye to you, something went terribly wrong. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, right? But that, yes. that's the number one rule, is you have to accept it. This is what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how do you meaningfully engage mm-hmm. without burning I'm- yourself out? Yeah, and I would imagine that that is one of, you know, because in, in your bio, um, 
I said something about how you try to inspire people to be the best version of themselves, right? And to make their health a priority. And so when you, when I think about that, I'm thinking about, you know, what we're talking about now with the meditation and, and how life happens and we need to be able to kind of deal with life in a, in a more healthy way. So how can people make their health a priority? What would you, what would you say? Ask the big questions every night, right? Mm -hmm. The big questions Mm -hmm. are, what do I want my legacy to be, right? Mm -hmm. That's a big one. When I add up my life's work, what do I want it to say, right? Mm -hmm. And often that, that question alone can spark people in so different directions, so many different directions. It's, it's amazing because then they really engage with a passion. And when mm-hmm. you're congruent and so meditation doesn't mean not having passion, not having goals in life, not right. Mm-hmm. It means being congruent with yourself. Mm-hmm. 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 So you ask that question, you journal about it. What do I want to okay. do? Right? It, it's, it's, a more, it's a more directed question of what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes it's who am I? And mm-hmm. I don't know is a perfectly acceptable answer. And if you journal, mm-hmm. sometimes you go back over the, the last week of journaling and be like, wow, I was this sort of person I didn't think I was. Or mm-hmm. I was that sort of person. Mm-hmm. Right, so it can offer some clarity about the current path you're taking. Maybe you really like it. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. But it's, 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 you know, it's, 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 it kind of, I think, I don't, I don't want to say force people, but it gives people the opportunity to focus on them, which a lot of times we ignore us and put a lot of energies in other people and situations but when you ask that when you have that big question and when you meditate what you're doing is saying you know as I see it that I I care about myself you know I want to live a high quality life as as high as I possibly can and enable in order to do that you have to kind of do certain things to ask these questions that will kind of help you to kind of figure that figure life out for yourself because it's different for all of us absolutely and one thing i'll add in for parents especially Mm -hmm. if they say what do i want my legacy to be and they say my children Mm -hmm. no 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 (laughs) your children (laughs) lead their own lives and their own legacies Mm. right Mm. as a parent you're the bow and that child is the arrow Mm. There you go. You need so to be you a strong bow. They need to be a strong arrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you I mean, you how many to... times do we see that children's success in life has to do with the stability of their parents? Yes, a lot. Um, yeah. And so the parents really, you know, put on your own safety mask before you put on everyone else's. Mm-hmm. We hear that every time we get on an airplane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
meditation really does that. It gives you an opportunity, and sometimes you're going to face questions you don't want to face, and that's the difficult work of actual transformation, right? We can mm-hmm. all skimp out on it, and we, we can, you know, go halfway, but we know mm-hmm. we really didn't do the job. Mm-hmm. Like you can't really lie to yourself. Yeah, yeah. So you got to be true to who you are and, and, and kind of mm-hmm. figure out, you know, who, who are you? And as long as we live, we're asking these questions. Like, it's not yeah. like we get, we get to a point and, you know, okay, I've done that. I'm finished with that part. <laughs> you know, I don't, have to, I don't have to focus on me anymore. And, and it's not being selfish to focus on you. Um, but it's, it's, it's like a, a lifestyle and a lifelong journey that we each should look forward to, to kind of figure out who we are and how we can live a life conducive to what we want. Yeah. And that's, we also you know, have to generate our own love and happiness, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, how, how many times do we see like, Two people get together, and neither can generate their own love and happiness, and it turns mm-hmm. into this weird blob of codependence. It's like two beggars asking each other for change. Neither has it to give. Right. That's that's a that's a good mm-hmm. way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. and this is where I think therapy really does a great job because mm-hmm. people have to sit and talk. They have they to have sit and to, talk. They have Absolutely. to sit and talk. They have to sit and talk and and uh, face the music, as as we say. But you know, Nick, we can talk about this forever. You know, we've coming up on the we've come up on the end of the show. It went by this hour went by so fast. So uh, I want to thank you again for being a guest, and I want to thank everyone for listening. You can find Nick online at palmgrenacu.com if you have a show idea or would like to be a guest please email me at letstalkgrief.com or call 708-870-6255 thanks for listening and have a great week thank you for tuning in to let's talk about grief please join your host Addie Anderson again next Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel until we speak again be there for a loved one who might need you this week